So what is, what is uh, so important to you? I know you yourself, what, what is so important to you that it is a consistent prayer that you pray? That it is something that consistently um, is, on your mind, <clears throat> is on your mind to the point where you consistently bring, bring that up to God. Something that you bring to the Lord over and over and over again. Um, you know, now, no doubt for some, there's, there's, I think for all of us really, uh, there's more than one thing that would show up on our list of things that we repeatedly pray about. Uh, and that's good. I mean, it really is. In Matthew 7, you know, Jesus said, you know, that you ask. And it's worded as you ask and you keep on asking. You seek and you keep on seeking. You know, those repeated prayers there. Now, some of the things we pray about repeatedly would certainly be uh, prayers for ourselves and what's going on in our life, and that's understandable. Uh, that's really kind of what dominates our, uh, our attention uh, so often, particularly when you're in the midst of it. It's, it's hard. Um, and you should be seeking the Lord's leading and guiding. You should be seeking his direction in everything you do. Now, again, I, I don't think it's, you know, uh, you know uh, I've heard some people pray, you know, say they pray about, you know, what tie they should wear. Well, so did I. I really didn't. Uh, because I don't think I need to, you know. Um, you, you, know I, what's, uh, you know how I get dressed, what's on the top of the pile is what I put on that day. And um, you know, so, the, the, you know, the, the whole thing there, the reality, though, there are things that we pray about over and over again. And we need to seek his guidance. We need to seek his direction. That is one of the prayers we should be praying. You know, Lord, give me your direction. Give me your guidance. Uh, I, I pre, you know, I want to follow your way as, as opposed to my own, you know. Now, there are some things you probably regularly pray about for others as well, family, coworkers, neighbors, um, not just that your neighbor will get his dog under control, but, you know, I, I mean, uh, other things too. And, and you should be praying for them as well. Now, this is the sixth week of looking at some of the things of what I regularly pray for you. Uh, what I keep asking, what I ask and keep asking God, you know, for you and, and about you. And, you know, in my prayers for you, I pray that you will raise the children in your life to have an unshakable commitment to Christ. Now, we started this last week, and as I mentioned to you then, uh, for some of you, this is your children. Uh, you know, and... For some of you, you have asked me even to pray for your grandchildren, uh, and I do. I, I pray for you as parents. I pray for you as grandparents. For others, it's nieces and nephews. Uh, for some, it's just a kid you have regular contact with, whether it's a kid in the neighborhood or, or, wherever, or wherever else it is. But for all of you, for all of us, it is the kids, it is the children in this church as well. Those children in this church, you know, as well. And my prayer is that you will help them have a solid, unshakable commitment to Christ. And you may not think you have a big role in that, but you have a bigger role than you could ever imagine. Um, I don't think I said this last week, but Ralph isn't here so I can talk about him. Um, did I tell you last week what Andy's son, Drew, said? He was standing... He was standing in the lobby next to next to Andrew, and um, Ralph walked by. And Drew said to said to his dad, 
He's read the Bible over a hundred times. And then he goes on, he said, he must be really smart. I don't know that Ralph has, well, Ralph teaches, helps out in children's church, so he has some contact with them there. But, you know, we would think and look at that almost as incidental contact. But, you know, you think sometimes your contact is, is just incidental, but God uses that in the lives of others more than you will realize. And it's not just for kids, but really for every single person that you have contact with. For every person that you have contact with, my prayer is that you will help them have a solid, unshakable commitment to Christ. Because you have an influence on them, whether you realize it or not. And I've told you before, and I believe, it's, I, I believe it is true, otherwise I wouldn't tell you. You are the very best Christian someone knows. Somewhere you have contact with somebody, whether it's at work or in your neighborhood, or maybe even in your family, wherever it might be, and you are the very best Christian they know. Let's pray. We're going to look at this a little bit more. Father, thank you for those who have touched our lives, those who have been in contact and connection with us in a way that has helped us to know you and has helped us to grow in you and it has helped us to be stable in you. We need people like that. We need those in our lives. And Father, you have called us to be that in the lives of others as well. So teach us from your word again today that we would know that we have heard from you, that we will know that, um, Father, that we are not only that we are yours, but that you are working in and through us for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to pick up again where we left off last week in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's on page 162 in the uh, Pew Bible. The Holman Christian Standard Version has this chapter broken down into four paragraphs. I mentioned that to you last week. And as we go through, as we go through it, I'm, I'm kind of taking it a paragraph at a time. Now, you're, if you're not using the Holman Christian Standard, it might be broken down a little differently. Uh, we looked at the first two paragraphs last week, and if you missed it, and, and you're interested in hearing about it more, uh, you, can, you can check the, uh, on the uh, website or on the YouTube channel or um, uh, what's the other one? Facebook. Facebook has a link to it. Always. There, that's listed on the front of your bulletin down at the bottom there if you want to get into any of those things. Uh, today we're going to pick up with the third paragraph in the Holman Christian Standard, which starts out with verse 10. So wherever you're at, drop down to verse 10 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give you a land, a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, wells dug that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Fear Yahweh your God. Worship him and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow the other gods, the gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and wipe you off the face of the earth. 
Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massa. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God and the decrees and statutes he has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that you may prosper and so that you may enter and possess the good land the Lord your God swore to give your fathers by driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. Now this is a time in the history of God's people here when they were still getting used to this whole experience of freedom. They had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, uh, which means that these folks here that, that uh, Moses is addressing, that God is addressing through Moses in Deuteronomy, that, that these folks here never knew anything except slavery. They were born into slavery. They were, they were born to parents who were slaves, and they were raised up with slavery. That was the norm for them. That was all they knew. They didn't, they didn't know what it meant to experience freedom. They didn't know what it meant to live as, as free people. They didn't know any of this. They, they came up in slavery, and that's what, they, that's what they knew until Moses led them out of Egypt during the Exodus. And through Moses, you know, God tells them something they needed to remember, uh, you know, for the days ahead, <clears throat> days ahead, something which we need to remember. When things are good, you know, when they get better, be careful that you don't forget God. Be careful you don't forget God. Verse 11, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord. They were just experiencing freedom. They were just getting over this. You know, when we're challenged or struggling, you know, it, it seems we pray more often. We pray more earnestly, more often. We spend more time praying. And even for others. I was thinking the other day, um, a pastor friend of mine, uh, his, his wife, he, his wife uh, died of cancer. And I remember praying for him very earnestly. I prayed for them while she was sick, but even after, after she died, and I prayed for them, for him and, and his family, um, a single dad with young, some young children at home. All of his kids were still in, in school. And I prayed for him often. I'd send him cards at least once a week just to let him know I was remembering and I was praying for him. And as time went on, you know, and I'd see him places, and we'd talk once in a while. And I didn't see him in person very often, but, you know, we'd talk a little bit. And, but over time, I found myself praying less. I didn't send him a card every week anymore to let him know I was praying. I still do pray for him, not, certainly not as much as I did. But you see, when the intensity of the moment is there, we pray more. Even in our own lives. When the battle is raging, we pray more. When a doctor comes in and says, you know, um, I, I, I found something, we pray more. And as it, as, as it unfolds, you see, and we start to get better, things start to get a little more under control, we find ourselves 
praying less. It says here, you know, when you eat and are satisfied, when things get better, when things get better, be careful you don't forget God. When things ease up, you know, and we back off on praying, we talk to God less, listen to Him less. That's what prayer is. Prayer is that conversation. It's not just laying it all out there before God. It's listening to Him as well. You know, as He speaks, as He speaks through His Word, as He speaks to us through His people, as He speaks to us, you know, through uh, sermons or interactions. Even when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Be careful not to forget the Lord. Be careful, it says. Some of the translations say, take care. Some of the translations say, beware. I thought, oh, that should get our attention. You know, be careful, take care, beware. Uh, as I was studying and, look, studying and looking up this word, uh, the word literally means to hedge about with thorns. I thought, man, what a... What a picture. To hedge about with thorns, to keep guard, beware, observe. You know, taking that care, that extra care, observe, guard yourself, guard yourself to make sure you don't forget God. Don't get so distracted, you know, by the comfort and ease that you forget about God who brought you to that place. As the pain gets less, as the, as the mobility gets better, as the, whatever it is, don't forget about God who brought you to that place. Part of an unshakable commitment to God means that when things are good, even when things are well, we don't forget God. We're just as committed to Him as when we struggle. We pray to Him, we have that conversation with Him, and we listen. We don't forget God. It goes on, it says, Fear Yahweh your God, worship Him, take your oaths in His name. Last week we looked at what that word fear means, uh, you know, when it tells us to fear the Lord. And again, it's, it's one word, one English word does not convey uh, the meaning of that, and it's not about cowering in fear and hiding in the closet, you know, as as uh, the ogre is coming through. The meaning includes worshipful. I, I I told you, you know, if you have a Holman Christian Standard Bible and has that little uh, has that little dot, whoa, that's a big one. Uh, as a, you know, that, that bullet point there, it gives you <clears throat> gives you the definitions in the back of the Bible, gives you an explanation of what they mean, and this is part of what it says there. That the meaning includes worshipful submission, reverential awe, and obedient respect to the covenant-keeping God of Israel. Submit to God. Submit to God and obey God as part of a life lived in worship to God. See, it's part of our life lived in worship to Him. It is that, that fear, you know, of submitting and obeying. Why? Because we are living our lives intentionally, purposefully, in worship to Him. That our focus is on God, our focus is on not only pleasing God, but our focus is on the reality of our relationship with God. 
that we don't go through anything in our day, we don't go through anything in life without the reality of that relationship with God, that relationship that we have with Him. And because of that relationship, you see, then it begins to direct the way we live. Every aspect of we live. Now, this flows from a, from a solid, unshakable commitment to God. It begins to become an all-encompassing way to live. That it, 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 more and more of our living gets brought into that. You know, by, from how we, how we speak to people when we're angry... Pastor Kent and I were at a conference uh, in Gurney, Illinois, on uh, Monday and Tuesday. And you know, you guys must have been praying for him. He was—he always—he's. If he's not calm when he's riding with me, he sure puts on a good facade, you know. Um, but one of the things I noticed, and I mentioned to him, man, I learned to drive in Chicago, and uh, you know, I said that. Chicago driving just comes back automatically, you know, when I get in there. Now, one thing I did notice that's changed for me is, uh, you know, e even going the 80 miles an hour that they go there on the 45-mile zone, um, uh, I would leave, you know, a car and a half length between me and the guy in front of me, which, you know, growing up in Chicago, you don't leave that much room because if somebody can get their bumper in there, they're going to get their car in there. They're going to get their semi in there. Uh, you know, so you just, uh, yeah, but, 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 you know, we, we can, when we, when we are, are living with him and it becomes, uh, then our relationship becomes an all-encompassing thing, whether it's the, whether it's the, 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 uh, the aggravations that we get when driving or at conference some things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. And I was ticked. I was irritated. And I didn't want to talk to some of these people who came over to talk to me. But the whole time, and I was telling myself, you know, this isn't honoring to God. You know, <laughs> kind of... With with uh, Job, what right do you have to be angry, you know? Or, or to Jonah, you know, what right do you have to be angry? Uh, you know, and I, is God still in control or is He not in control? And I was very grateful that He was working on me while I was talking to these people because it changed the whole tenor then of well my irritation seemed to subside, and I was actually able to have a sincere conversation with them. When we have that unshakable commitment to God and we live a life submitted to God and obey Him as part of that life lived in worship, it becomes more and more an all-encompassing reality of our life and our living. And it's not that we always get things right, but it's that sometimes while we're in the middle of it, we begin to realize more that this too, this too is part of my living in my relationship to Christ. And how am I going to respond? How is it that I'm going, I'm going to live this out? 
He goes on there, he says, you know, to fear him and take your oaths in his name. Uh, That's simply living an open, honest life in such a way that it really doesn't matter if you took an oath or not. Because your, your conduct is not, your conduct is not by any oath you would take. Your conduct is because you are living a life in worshipful submission to and obedience to God. That you are living your life that way. You know, and because you're living your life that way, the oath is really unnecessary. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything because you are changed and you are being changed into worshiping and living a life of worship for God. He goes on, he says, Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Now in the interest of time, because um, some of us talk too long, uh, let me just give you a summary application of these verses. Uh, Don't adopt the values of the world. Continue to follow God. Now, when I say the values of the world, what I'm talking about there, remember, is the systems and the people that exclude or ignore God. That way of living, that way of living that leaves God out. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying the world. You know, so you, you will, if, you know, you will see some people who don't live that way, but, you know, and they, some people adopt some of the, the values that would be consistent with God even though they aren't Christians. You see, now, of course, we want them to come to Christ. Don't just look at behavior. You know, you don't want, you don't just want them to behave better. You want them to know Christ and then live better. You see, but when we talk about the world, you know, don't adopt the values of the world. Don't adopt those values, you know, that, that, that exclude and ignore God. Instead, follow God. Follow Him. That active, on purpose living. Follow Him actively, on purpose. There is no such thing as shared allegiance with God and anyone else or anything else. You cannot play for two teams. When Peyton Manning left the Indianapolis Colts and went to play for the Denver Broncos, when the Colts and the Broncos played, who was Peyton Manning playing for? The Broncos, not the Colts. Brett Favre, and it almost nauseates me to talk about this, Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers, just doesn't sit well in my stomach. Anyway, uh, Brett Favre is now on the New York Jets. When the Jets play Green Bay, Brett Favre is going to be is going to be doing all he can and working so that the Jets win, not so Green Bay Packers win. You cannot. You cannot be on two teams here. You don't adopt the values of the world. You follow God. It, Jesus is pretty clear about this. Romans chapter 12, it says, Knowing their thoughts, he told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. Paul told us in Romans, God speaking through Paul, he says, For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God, because it doesn't submit itself to God's law. It's unable to do so. It's hostile. It wars against it. Second Corinthians, it said, Do not be mismatched with unbelievers. What partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? Galatians chapter 5, For the flesh desires what is against the spirit. The spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. First Peter, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. Don't adopt the values of the world. Follow God. Those things that oppose God, there is no, there, 
is no such thing as middle ground as if it's neutral. You are either for God or you are against God. You're not sitting there just wondering and waiting. There is no middle ground. Jesus says, you know, that you, 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 whoever's not for him is against him. You know, and and the, the whole reality, the whole reality of thinking that we can sit on the fence. You're strumming the wrong guitar there, buddy. You know, the whole thing, there is no such thing as sitting on the fence. You think you're sitting on the fence. Your fence is not in good territory. Let's just put it that way. God is not going, again, don't ever forget, God is not going to help you sin. He is not going to help you walk away from him. He is not going to help you destroy yourself. Follow God. Adopt and live by his values, not the values of the world, not the values of your ever-changing cravings. Don't adopt those values. Follow God. Verse 11. No, no. Verse 17. Carefully observe. You know, observe, do, live. Carefully. He says, carefully, carefully observe. Carefully do this. Carefully live this. The commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes he has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. There's really no summary needed here. Just look at verse 18. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. We do not we, we, we do not adopt and follow the values of the world, those systems and folks opposed to God. We do not choose to follow our own whims and desires. We do not simply do what others are doing. We do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. And, and we don't simply think about what we should do. We don't just talk about the Lord's values. We don't stop at knowing what is right. We do. We do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Do what is right and good. Right and good. Those choices and actions that are in line with his will and his word, which, is, which are always in agreement. His will and his word are always in agreement. If you think God's will is that you're doing something that's against his word, you're wrong. You're smoking from the wrong pipe, buddy, because that is not what he is telling us. His, his, what, he, what, he calls us to, what he calls us to do is never in conflict with his word. God's not confused. He's not wondering. He didn't change his mind. What you see in his word will be the same thing he calls you to in your life. They are in harmony. They are there. You know, we don't just do what is right. We don't do what is right and good to earn God's love and forgiveness. We do what is right and good because we have been forgiven and because we are being transformed. We do what is right and good because we are forgiven and we are being transformed we are still at work in progress now keep your outline and your bible handy here we're going to read through this last paragraph and all i'm going to do i'm going to read a verse and kind of give you the application as we go uh, verse 20 
When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinances which the Lord our God has commanded you? So, talk with your children about God's Word. Talk with them about God's Word. You know, tell them what it says and what it means. Now, do this as a natural part of your life together. You know, as a natural part of what you're doing. You know, talk to them. Talk to them, uh, you know, about God's Word. You know, when he says, what is the meaning, the decrees, the statutes? Tell them, talk to them about God's Word. Talk to your children. Talk to your grandchildren. Talk to the kids in the neighborhood. Talk to your co-workers. Talk to them as a natural part of your being what God's Word says and what it, it, and what it does. You know, it, it's, it, with anyone you spend time with. Now, you don't, have to, you don't have to know everything. Simply tell them what you do know. That's what the rest of these verses get into. Verse 21. Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. So, tell them what the Lord has already done in your life. You do know that, you see. You do know what God has already done in your life. You do know the things that, that he has taught you. You do know the things, you, know, you, you already know what he has led you from. You know, he... he You know what He has led you to. You know how He has provided for you. Tell them these things. Tell them the difference that God is making in your life. You know, how He has changed you. Verse 22. He says, "Before, Before our eyes the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and on all his household. So... Tell them what you have seen him do in the lives of others. Bazooka Joe theology here. You know, Bazooka Joe, some of you know who Bazooka Joe is, some of you don't. There was a little candy, there was a little store down the street from us when, when I was a kid, a few blocks away. And we'd go down there and they had penny candy, which I don't think exists anymore. But at any rate, one of the things you could get was a piece of uh, bazooka bubblegum. And bazooka bubblegum came with a bazooka Joe comic. And there was always a little little bit of wisdom or something in there. And uh, the uh, wisdom from bazooka Joe uh, this one time was, um, learn from the mistakes of others. You'll never live long enough to make them all yourself. Yeah, and it's true. So you can share with, you know, tell them what you have seen God do in the lives of others, what you have observed. Not just, not just things they don't do right, you know, but, but what you have learned. What, what have you learned from other people? You know, what, what, what is it, you know, what is it that, you have, that you have seen him do? How God works in the lives of others you know. How he's worked in the lives of others you know from church, from Bible study, from school, from work, friends, other family members. Share with them what you know and what you've learned you know, from those stories in the Bible. Tell them about the ones that have ministered to you. Tell them you know, about those ones that have helped you to grow. Those ones that have helped you to see life. Tell them about what you see in the Bible that has helped you live life for God. Verse 23. But he brought us from there in order to lead us in and to give us the land that he swore to our fathers. So tell them what God is doing in your life right now. We mentioned this last week as well. You know, tell them what God is doing in your life right now. 
Let them know that God is alive. Let them know that God is current. Let them know, you know that God is real. Help them to see he is involved in our lives right now. Not just in our past and not just for our future. Christianity isn't about you know things I did in the past and he's forgiven me for and by golly I'm going to live in heaven one of these days. And in between, well, it's for the in between too. You know, it's for the it's for life between you know everything we've done that he's forgiven us for and and, and what is to come in Christ. It is he is God of the right now. Let them know. Let them know what God is doing in your life right now. What has he shown you this week? What has he what, what what has he helped you to understand? What has he helped you to get through? Tell your kids these things about what it, what, what God is doing in your life right now. That living relationship, you know, that, that God is is there for every day. It's living a daily life with God. Verse 24. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our prosperity always and your preservation as it is today. Tell them. Tell them the clear commands and guidance in God's word. Let them know that the Ten Commandments are more than just something to hang on the wall. More than just something to, to know and recite. Let them know, you know that it's there for the guidance for our... I really believe if people, if people obeyed the first command without fault, they would never sin. To know that he is the Lord our God and have no other gods before us. That means we're going to follow him in every single thing. That I'm not, I'm not going to take control myself because I'm not going to put myself up front of God. I'm not, going, I'm not going to do what the world tells me is okay because I'm not going to put the world in front of God. You see, let them know. You know, let them know the reality. The reality, you know, that, that clear commands and guidance that is there. Tell them about the verses that guide your life. About those verses that have helped you to see and to understand and to know God. Help them, tell them about the, those, verses, those verses that have encouraged you. That have, that have comforted you. Let them know these things. Verse 25. Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. To follow every one of these commands. Tell them we're to follow the whole word of God. Not just what we think will be fun. Not just what we, you know, what, what, what we think you know, will, will you know, add to us uh, you know, financially, comfort-wise, whatever it is. The Bible is true, so we can follow it. The Bible is trustworthy, so we can confidently follow it. You know, the Bible is accurate, so we can definitely follow it. 
without question, without wondering if it's taking us in the right direction. The Bible is still relevant so we can continue to follow it. Tell them to follow the whole Word of God. Tell them. Tell them. Don't keep quiet. And make sure then, then make sure that you are following every one of God's commands. Tell them with your words and tell them with your living. It's not one or the other, it's both. Tell them with your words and tell them with your living. In my prayers for you, I pray that you will raise the children in your life, you know, and to help all those you have regular contact with, that you will help them to have a solid, unshakable commitment to Christ. So when things are good, be careful that you don't forget God. You know, submit to God and obey Him as part of your life lived in worship. Don't adopt the values of the world. Don't adopt the values of those who oppose God. Continue to follow Him. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Not just what feels good. And talk with your children and others about God, about His Word, about His involvement in your life. Tell them. Don't keep quiet. The more you choose to live out your relationship with God, the more solid and unshakable your commitment will be to Him. In my prayers for you, I pray that God will help you to raise your children to have an unshakable commitment to Christ. They not only need that now, they're going to need it even more in the days ahead. If you think this world is heading in a good direction, I don't. If you think life is going to get easier when they have more choices, you're mistaken. If you think it's going to be easier for them to, uh, to, to choose God when they have more money, when they have more freedom, then you're foolish. This means that it starts with you living an unshakable commitment to Christ. That no matter what comes into your life, the hard stuff and the easy stuff that you are still going to live with that unshakable commitment to Christ. Kent, I'd like it. Let's sing Lord Reign in Me again after I pray. There's, there's the prayer for you. As we were singing that earlier, I just thought, Lord, there's the prayer. There's the prayer we need in our lives. Father, thank you so much that you are willing to reign in us. 
we want to stop fighting against you. We want to stop struggling and as if we're trying to do this all on our own. We want to remember not only what a great God you are, but what a powerful God you are. What a loving God you are. What a holy God you are. Help us, Father. Help us to be those people that live in such a way that, that more and more we will have that unshakable commitment to you and that those, our children, our grandchildren, those, those children in this church that they will have an unshakable commitment to you. That no matter what comes along in their life, they will realize you are still God. To you be glory and honor, we ask. In Christ's name, amen.